Welcome to episode 11 of the podcast. Today we're going to discuss fitness and the environment. Joining us is environmental and human rights lawyer Amrita Noor. Um, she works for the UN and this is, yeah, we've, this has been a long-awaited uh, episode. We're excited to finally discuss it. Um, so we're all still self-isolating. We've had plenty of time to think and reflect and exercise. So we thought it would be a pertinent topic to discuss fitness and the environment. So we'll discuss how it impacts the environment in both positive and negative ways. Then we'll talk about how the fitness industry from large commercial gyms to individual fitness goers, what they can do to help protect the environment. So let's get into it. First, we'll just catch up with each other. I know Andy's been on the ranch with a marauding lion. <laughs> yeah, we've had a lion up here, which is um, made, well, I've carried on doing my daily steps, 20,000, um, I suppose the only downside is it feels like some days I'm dragging the dogs along because they don't want to walk through the ranch. You know, you can smell the lion and the leopards and stuff, so, uh, you know, sort of, you know, trying to get them to keep up. But, um, yeah, no, weird thing happened to me yesterday. You, you find this interesting. I'm sitting in my office. Dogs are going crazy in the garden, so I stick my head out of the office. And then Kyra and Elsie tell me there's a man at the kitchen door. <laughs> I go to the kitchen door, KPLC guy, come to read So he's let himself in through my two gates, come all the way to my kitchen door to read the meter. And you're like, hang on. <laughs> For one, if this was like last week, I was actually in self-quarantine. But now I'm like trying to isolate. And, you know, KPLC are just coming along and doing what we want. That, that's one determined uh, guy to come all the way that's to your stress, place. That's trespassing, well, though. I don't, but, but don't you think KPLC should be saying to her guys, as it stands in the current situation, don't worry about meter checks? Mm. You, you would think so, but... <laughs> they need the money. <laughs> that, oh, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Crazy. But anyway, yeah, so me, you know, just cracking on bit of weight loss at the moment, you know, prep continues, although there's no show. Um, I am in a small competition with the rest of my teammates for a 28-day fat loss challenge, oh. including Ollie himself. That sounds like fun. So, um, yeah, exactly. There's, um, yeah, we've got a couple of competitions going at the moment within the team. Uh, one's how long you can hold the walls for. Oh. I, refuse to, I refuse so, to do that one. I think... Yeah, well, the record in the team is 12 minutes at the moment. So before legs today, I'm going to try and do it as a warm-up and see if I can do a 15-minute one. But I'm not <laughs> sure I can. <laughs> Give it a go. I we'll hate wall sets. Yeah, that's... Um, Just thinking about them makes my yeah, quads cramp. Yeah, wall sit or burpees. I think neither. <laughs> well, exactly. Wall sit, at least the wall sit's got, you know... As a warm up before I do a leg session, yeah. might be right just to get some, yeah, you know, right. like a pre exhaust. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. Wow, well, there you go. Any listeners who want to <laughs> try and see how long they can hold their wall sit, go for 15 minutes. Yeah, I think I'd get bored. I, yeah, get I'd a, have to just get a book, yeah, or scroll through yeah. Instagram. Well, and put, put a podcast on or some music, and yeah. <laughs> you know, 15 minutes. What we, we could say, 
you know, four to five songs on a playlist should take you there. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, well, we're we're lucky to have our free weights in the house so we can carry on with our training. So we just switched it up a bit. So it's because there are no machines, we, we decided to change our program so that it's all free weight based strength program and yeah really enjoying that are you, yeah are you enjoying it like i'm finding it's quite nice to go back to basics yeah like going back to your roots yeah going back to the beginning again it is i mean it's yeah. just you know the the most basic exercises and they really work and you know especially now where we're seeing everyone jumping around doing a move that has 350 sort of different movements in one, it really makes the basics, you know, stand out. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And Rita, how's TikTok fame going? Isolation, TikTok, exercise. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm getting there. My, my, my views are up there now at 2,000. Any day now, I'm going to get TikTok fame. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, you should follow That's Amrita awesome. on her TikTok. She's hilarious. Yeah. I think TikTok and Zoom are the only I'm, apps I'm that are really making money. I'm personally not on TikTok. Yeah. I, I, I do see when you post them on Instagram. I mean, that would be quite comical, so quite enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, I'm not on it, but I, d I do enjoy watching. Yeah, we're we are all on it. Uh, Voyeurs. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, we follow you on IG. Just keep posting. So, Amrita, why don't you introduce yourself? Okay, I mean, like I said, I hate doing this, but my name's Amrita. I like going for long walks on the beach. Okay. <laughs> so I'm an environmental and human rights lawyer. Um, I started off in commercial law. I hated it. I thought it was super easy, so I quit, much to the dismay of my Indian parents, <laughs> and decided to go back into uni and study international law. So I tend to focus more on environmental law right now because that's just my passion and looking at sustainability. Yeah, that's me. And what about your, just a, in a nutshell, your health and fitness journey? Well, that's a podcast in its own. That, that so, is. So just a nutshell, I, just a taster. I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I like to sound my own voice. I can't really just like, but I'll try. So I actually, I used to be extremely overweight. I was bullied as a kid. So I ended up topping the scales at about 120 kilos. I'm 5'8", so... Uh, it, it wasn't really that noticeable, but 120 kilos is a lot for, my, for me to be carrying around. Um, and yeah, so I just decided to just make a change. I, I worked out, uh, ate healthy, and then because I just like to know things, I decided to go and become certified as a PT. I actually didn't want to teach, but I decided might as well if I want to learn a bit more. So I just got certified as a PT, so I'm a PT and a yoga instructor. Wonderful. Um, so in, environment is your passion, sustainability. And yeah, I like I've always been into the environment. I, mean, I think one of the first things I did as a kid was try to, I created a club in Banda uh, about trying to save the environment and try, so I got all my like friends to like join me in the library and kind of create flyers and everything like that. So <laughs> that, that was the first time I remember doing something for the environment. Wow. That's amazing. Oh, nice. Well, I think let, let's, let's start with the negatives 
of sort of health and fitness in the environment. And I think a big one that comes up is uh, food choices and diet um, and a very controversial topic I think is veganism and how a lot of people think switching to a vegan diet they're going to save the world and the environment. What are your thoughts on that? All right. Well, look, this is a really long, complex argument. Um, I want to start off by saying I am not bashing vegans, your food choices. It really has no, it doesn't affect me in my everyday life. I do have a problem with misinformation. That's my, that's my issue. So we're going to just, I mean, we're all waiting to, to go into this discussion. It's all about veganism, right? So there's, there's tons of material out there about veganism trying to save the environment. Um, and a lot of people, I mean, there's, the amount of vegans has increased by 160%. Now that's a lot of people turning to veganism. Oh, nice. Right? Jeez. So it, it's insane when you think about it. And when we go into the discussion and then you think, about this first comment about 160% increase in veganism and the stress that they're placing on the environment based on these choices, it'll begin to click to you that it's not always like that's the right way to go. So <clears throat> look, uh, as a lawyer, we always believe like, you know, you, you create your argument and then you always have to remember the counter argument, right? So we all know about veganism, but I mean, they put it everywhere. It's on a Netflix documentaries everywhere, why you should become a vegan, how it saves the environment, blah, blah, blah. So let's counter. Let's counter all of these arguments that they're coming up with. I mean, so we've talked about an increase in 160%. Now we have to think about you as a vegan. Let's say we take a vegan, a general vegan in Nairobi. Um, most of their vegan produce doesn't actually come from Kenya. I mean, let's start with the biggest example of almond milk, right? Almond milk isn't grown in Kenya. Actually, one of the biggest almond plantations is in California, right? So now, if you think about it, if there's someone in London drinking the almond milk, if there's someone in Kenya drinking the almond milk, there's someone in Australia drinking this Californian al almond milk, it's put on a plane, right? So you've got that carbon footprint coming from that one carton of almond milk to all these different countries. So that's your whole carbon story there, right there for you, okay? All right, let so, me go hide my almond milk first. Go, go hide Yeah, yeah. Please. And that's another thing. <laughs> yeah. There's no one in this, I don't think there's anyone on this planet that's completely 100% sustainable, 100% yeah. environmental friendly. We all are trying our best. Exactly. Right? Yeah, true, and it's true. the footsteps that get you there. Yeah, it's just like to, Mother Teresa. Yeah, it's just to be aware. Like, I think, you know, you're drinking your almond milk, just not really thinking about where it's come from. I think if you ask most people, they wouldn't know that it was from California. No, exactly. I mean, most of it, I mean, California has the biggest almond plantation, yeah. Yeah. right? So, I mean, if we think about an almond plantation, I'll put something into perspective for you. For 16 almonds. Just 16 almonds. Now we all, I mean, as an Indian kid, I used to eat almonds in the morning because my brain power would increase, right? <laughs> oh, nice. So now just 16 yep. of those almonds takes 15 gallons of water. Wow. And California yeah. isn't really a, a wet place anyway. Oh, it needs a lot of water for those 16 almonds. And I mean, it's insane to think about 16 almonds, 15 gallons of water. 
Now to make almond milk, I don't know if you've ever tried it at home, you need at yep. least, you're looking at 50, 100 almonds <laughs> to make a good amount of almond milk. Yeah. And the almonds are expensive anyway. Oh, they're really yeah. expensive. That's they're not so, cheap nuts. Exactly. So now, this so-called great for the environment milk isn't because you've taken up, you've used so much water in, in a place that normally is actually quite deserty. Yeah, yeah. So that can place uh, an impact on the environment, right? Then think about almond plantations now. Almond plantations are huge. The one in California is massive. It's taken over basically what used to be wetlands. Now, wetlands, we all know how many habitats are created in a wetland, right? Now, you've gone and created an almond plantation in a wetland. You've gone and destroyed habitats. So now, when you pour in your glass of almond milk, you have to think, like, okay, I'm, you think you're saving the environment, but wait, you're, you've just gone and ruined habitats in a wetland. You've used this much water. So you, it's already, you can already start seeing the flaws in these, in these arguments. Yeah, absolutely. So there's... 100%. Yeah, almonds, almonds, yeah. I, I personally have stopped using them because I know how much water they take. And they're not grown in Kenya. Um, I, yeah, it's just... But, and also, I don't particularly like them anyway. Yeah. yeah. I think you, you get sort of told to, to have almond milk because it is better for you and better for the environment with very little actual evidence to support that. Yeah, I think that's the problem that there's just so much on the media or your your favorite influencer is saying, you know, go vegan, you're going to save the environment and look great in the process, and you're not doing you're not doing the research at all. And and here they are expensive. If you go into Healthy You or you're buying your yeah. non-dairy milks, they're what, 500, 500 bob? for one the one packet. Yeah. And yeah, that's the thing is, as far as I'm aware, all those non dairy milks in Kenya that we get, the soya milks, almond milks, um, are pretty much, apart from maybe coconut milk, none of them are produced in Kenya. I don't even know of any coconut milk produced in Kenya. I don't know. It's oils. No, none. So that's the, in the matter of the carbon footprint. So. I guess what you're saying is it's important to know where your food is coming from, pretty much. Like to start with the basic, like is it produced locally? Is it coming from Jupiter? You know, is your influencer lying to you? Or because most, um, I think, which is what has happened with social media, it's like you said, misinformation. As long as you're paying me, I don't look for the real information to teach because I need the likes, I need the shares, the followers, so that I can make my money or my commission from the company that's, uh, that I'm promoting. So whether it's almond milk, whether it's this weird stuff with cyanide in it, it's all for payday. I mean, it's also like when you watch these documentaries on Netflix, right? It's all about what the health and everything like that. You watch it and then suddenly, oh, I need to do that. I mean, I watch Tiger King. I'm not Tiger King. So, <laughs> like, just question things. Just don't watch things and be like, I need to do that. Ask, ask the right people. Like, like you were saying earlier, stay in your lane. Ask the right people. I'd, be, I'd love it if people filled my DMs with all these kind of questions because 
I'm the right person to ask. If I want to ask a, like a mobility and a proper PT question, I'll ask one of you guys. I like just stay in your lane, understand it, question it, and then apply it. Yeah, it's it's actually uh, that's actually a good one. It's it's crazy. The questions you get in DMs are usually uh, very few. Uh, you know, like questions you'd like to sit and discuss, and then the rest are just crap, unless you put out like a. <laughs> I, uh, if you put out a serious like educational video where you like you put your heart into it like I'm going to teach guys you'll not get any questions then put a video of you um, like yeah chasing the dog chasing Zuli and I'm getting views and I'm like what I, I did nothing <laughs> people so, love a dog yeah I know dog. <laughs> dog and butt <laughs> yes but, um, <laughs> But I just think the sustainability factor is, is just so important right now. Yeah. And just to really think where your food is coming from. And um, just just being, just generalizing here, a lot of bodybuilders do eat a lot of meat. And whilst I, I think eating meat is fine, but again, thinking about where your meat is coming from um, and maybe incorporating a more plant-based diet. Um and so Amrita, what what would what would you suggest like when people are researching where their food comes from i mean is there sort of a certain type of farm farming practice that's better for the environment so um look when we look at our, our food choices eating local is always the way to go right i mean andy you live like you, your goat is there in your backyard it, 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 eat local yeah, probably the easiest and best way you can deal with combating the environment right dealing with more like much more smarter food choices so um, I get like I absorb all my information from something called the World Economic Forum it literally is probably the best site for information um, and I think last year or the year before last everything's just amalgamated into one I can't remember um, they actually came up that one of the best diets to follow is an omnivorous diet, right? So it's looking at reducing the amount of meat you eat, but you don't need to cut it out. I mean, it is, I've, I understand as a bodybuilder, it's important to get that protein in. And let's face it, the best protein does come from meat. It's hard to get that exact amount of protein if we just become vegans and eat plant-based all the time. But you can limit it, right? Like in our house right now, we have one day, no meat. And that's easy to do. And imagine if everyone in the world did that, if you just committed to one day, no meat, you create tons of environmental positivity and like the impact just decreased because all these millions and billions of people are doing this one thing. That's all it is, just this one thing. Cut out meat for one day. Not a big deal, right? Uh, limit the amount of red meat you eat. I don't eat red meat, personally. Uh, Amr, my husband does. He eats meat, but very rarely. I mean, it's, like, you know, if you're going to sit and eat a steak every day, maybe think about, oh, maybe let me have some fish or some chicken instead. It's just these kind of smarter choices that actually make a huge change in the, long of it, in the long term of it. And it really, you're looking at larger aspect of change. Now, it's much more easier to convince a person to have one day no meat than everybody become a vegan. Yeah, you so don't need to go extreme. <laughs> no, you don't need to be extreme. Just like one day no meat 
or you know I'm going to increase the number of legumes and nuts I have fine do it that's good have local veggies I mean we live in Kenya it's so easy for us to get nice good grown locally done vegetables I mean but huge gardens you can grow them in your garden it's perfect it's so simple I think this ties in Maybe it ties into our nutrition um, podcast because the same the same message for health, you know, a balanced diet, cut down the meat, don't necessarily remove it, and eat more vegetables. And if you can, grow your own vegetables. Yeah, yeah exactly. And and just you know, if you are gonna eat meat, you know, either like Andy or goat is on the doorstep. Or, or just yeah, try and buy buy it locally from somewhere that you know that they're free range, rather than, you know, I I, I don't think there's too much of the battery farming here. I I don't think Kenya's not too bad, but you can still be more um, careful and um, what's the word? Just inquisitive. Yeah, just really think about where you're sourcing your meat from. And it, it is more expensive if you are going for your grass-fed beef or your organic free-range this. But, you know, that's your health. And I personally would rather spend uh, a bit more money on, on quality meat um, or animal products and eat less of them. Yeah, and, that, and that's true. I mean, it's, it literally is just for your health. It, even all this grass-fed stuff has less chemicals in it. I mean, it's easier to have, it's nicer to have, so just, just do it. It's, it's simple as that. I mean, you're talking about expensive stuff. Let's, let's talk about how veganism also has, has risen, has risen, uh, uh, increased the prices of certain things. So, I mean, look at quinoa. Quinoa is a staple for a vegan. Like, it, it's everything, right? Quinoa is one of the most important things they will eat. That's a staple food. In South America, like it is, like ugali is for Kenya. Yeah. Quinoa is that state of diet it is in South America. Now, what happened is with this 160% increase of vegans, that demand for quinoa has increased so much that your average South American can't afford some quinoa anymore. So you've mm. just taken away something that is something that was such a basic staple to them. You've just gone and quadrupled the price for them. They can't afford it anymore, and it, it, it's sad. I mean, I don't know how many people knew, but you know how vegans, with vegans, there's been an increase in uh, consumerism of avocados, mm-hmm. right? Like, we all want to see some avocado toast. No, uh, And that meant, and a lot of it came from Kenya, apart from Leon, I know you don't want your avocados, you're doing good things for the environment. Well done. <laughs> yeah, that's my part. <laughs> yeah. No, but for a while, people stopped exporting them. Because yeah, there was a yeah, shortage, there was yeah. such a high demand, people couldn't get them. Like people in Kenya couldn't get access to avocados. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's that's the reality of what's happening because of I've, this. I've got a funny story. Sorry, I've got a funny story about avocados. A friend of mine I play rugby with, Gareth, he runs some of the biggest vegetable farms in the world. He works for a South African company, and he went to the World Avocado Forum, which was held down in Mexico. He says he's there and there's people flowing in, all these farmers flowing in from all over the world. And he said the big farmers were arriving in private helicopters, stepping out like they were drug barons. <laughs> because purely based off the global price of an avocado currently, these guys are making an absolute fortune. 
And you know, we're big avocado sellers in um, America, the US and um, Latin America. These guys are making a, a fortune. They have all private bodyguards and private planes and helicopters. You should have saved this early. I'm seeing a new Quite Netflix crazy. documentary. Yeah, you should have saved the avocado this barons. I need to start growing barons. avocados. Yeah. Forget narcos. It's, it's all about yeah. the avocado wars. <laughs> yeah, but that's crazy, man. I mean, you can grow an avocado tree in your backyard without even thinking about it. And now, guys... Well, are... that's the thing. But you see the price. When I go to the UK, I'm doing my shopping. And say I go to... It could be any shop now. We all put where the product comes from. Oh, yeah, the nice. amount of vegetables and stuff that come from Kenya, including avocados, you know, you're like... The price that they're getting sold at, you're like... Well, we just grow wild in my garden. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as long as the dogs don't eat them, eat them all straight off the floor. But, yeah. uh, but you know, generally, it's just crazy. The global price of avocados, you know, is through the roof at the moment. And they're being flown all over the place. And people just love it. That's a big carbon footprint, huh? <laughs> exactly. It's just creating more of a problem. I mean, I'm not saying don't eat them, but just think about how many you need like you don't need eight like just, just have three or something like that like just reduce your your need for them yeah because now you find guys um uh tend to go to like the supermarket and buy meats veggies um like everything you can find here but they're buying brands from abroad and it's stuff you can just go down the road and you have what I guess everyone knows as Mama Mboga, and you can get everything from your sweet potatoes, your avocado, yeah. your um, your cucumbers, your broccoli. But I think, I don't know, maybe it's laziness or convenience. I don't know which one. Uh, yeah, it's also fashion. It's a thin line. Food yeah. fashions. Yeah. To a certain extent. People, the avocado is a prime example of food fashion. You know, they grow all over the place in Kenya, but now you're being, people are being influenced by social media influences. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they feel like when we go, to, we go to the supermarket and pick up an avocado, spend a lot more, but also don't realise how many calories are in an avocado. <laughs> and same with a handful of nuts. You know, they think they're being healthy. We've got this massive amount of smashed avocado on top of their food, and they can't work out why they're not losing weight. And True. same with, like, oh, how many handfuls of cashews are you eating a day? And you're like, well, that's about a billion calories, my friend. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's just food fashion, I think, half the time. Yeah. And veganism's a fashion for a lot of people at the moment. I've always said, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with people who are vegans for ethical reasons. You do you, that's brilliant. But when people watch things like Game Changers and go, oh, I must, be, I must now be a vegan, that's just a fashion trend. Like any other fashion trend, you know, and you're consuming it via what you watch. Yeah. And, you know, I find that terribly sad yeah because it doesn't take i don't think it takes a day a week or a month to make a like a lifestyle choice whether it's training veganism uh keto whatever it is i think it takes research time and for you to understand you know the like what we were saying awareness and looking for information you even to become a successful vegan you'll find out where you can get your local you know, avocados grown locally. Um, well, what, if you really are yeah, doing it for ethical, ethical reasons, reason. that's what you would do. Yeah. You would really do your research. But if it's fashion, like you said, it's I'll watch Game Changers today and tomorrow. I'll 
buy all the almond milk from California and uh, start growing avocados and selling them too. <laughs> but it's also virtue signaling, so fashion. It's like saying, you know, just so you can post on your Instagram that you're now a vegan to save the environment. And, all, and I see there's a lot of environmental posts. People posting a lot about the environment just to get clicks and follows and likes and everything True. else. Where actually, if you look through their cupboards, look through their house, and actually looked at what's sustainable and what's not, you'd, they'd probably be surprised because, it, you know, and I think we run the risk that environmentalism is another fashion trend mm-hmm. where it should actually just be very core in what we're doing generally anyway. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of these, um, you know, like almonds, avocado, soy, are mono monocrops um, or monocultures. And, I mean, that's not good for diversity at all. And, I mean, I think, and Richie said they're huge plantations. And and I think, you know, the same for, for soy. They're massive plantations. And, yeah, monocrops are really bad for the environment. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's all the same. I mean, like, we can sit and say this all about uh, vegans, but it's also the same with, with meat eaters, right? And like, a lot of, if you eat a lot of meat, I mean, we all know, like, um, so cows go through enteric fermentation, right, where they basically burp methane. So that increase in methane is obviously, like, causing a lot of damage in the environment. And we acknowledge that. I completely acknowledge that. And I don't, like, when vegans come up to me, like, yeah, but what about cows? Like, I understand. And I completely agree with you. But, like I said, limit the amount that you eat. You know, look for, for farms that are doing it ethically. There are farms that are doing it perfectly ethically. And you can ca- actually do that. In Kenya, a lot of the cows you eat are farmed really well. So, it's just, you know, make, just make the right choices and just be well informed. Don't come up to me and say, I'm a vegan because I want to protect the environment. <laughs> I'm going to laugh in your face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's... You need to find balance. Yeah. And like Andy said, like, it's your whole whole lifestyle, um, which leads us into lifestyle. You know, your, your choice of uh, clothes. I mean, fashion is a huge, a huge impact. You know, fast fashion has a huge impact on the environment. You know, um, like half half the clothes, well, fast fashion clothes that people buy, they throw out within a year, and that go that all goes into landfill. And yeah, just to it's just a question I was thinking about, like how say how many of us we have four of us here, and I honestly trying to remember back in high school or primary school where I was taught about the environment and. I, I can't place it, which I think is also like a f- loophole or a flaw in the education system because I think it's it's just one of those things that need to be taught from a young age because some we I might think it's getting better. yeah because we might be saying all this but the it's uh, you you it's how do you say um, you can't teach an old dog new tricks like it doesn't just work overnight it's something that needs to have started way back like you and the environmental club and uh, um, some people teaching their kids you know about the environment the little stuff they can do you know don't litter because even here it's a problem guys throw stuff up outside the cars Um, I always uh, beat my horn 
Yeah. 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 Always beat my horn. If the song throws the rubbish out, I beat my horn. Yeah. Get so... the beeping. But um, but I think it's getting better. I look back at my childhood. I'm a little bit older than you guys, and it was just talked about greenhouse gases and you know, your CSC gases and stuff that were in fridges and freezers back then and yeah, aerosols. <laughs> now though. I have conversations with Kai, my daughter, and she knows a lot more about the environment than even you know than I do because schools are pushing it a bit better now, and and she you know we have to make posters about littering, and I do think the message is getting um, sent, but I think with you know with one message, and I often moan at the schools and always say this should be on the curriculum about growing your own food more from a sustainability. So I spend a lot of time, me and Kaya, planting seeds and trying to grow stuff, you know, trying to get her to look after it, you know, especially while she's home at the moment, although she keeps forgetting to water things, and, <laughs> you know, so we've got to start again afresh. But generally, I think that's something schools need to look at, that sort of food sustainability, not just uh, don't litter, don't throw plastic in the ocean, like, you know, which are all important messages, and, but they're like the big messages. Yeah, if we actually start teaching kids the smaller things, I think, like the little the little changes in your lifestyle, and you start teaching kids things like sustainability about food, um, recycling, be it sort of you know clothing, you know recycling and stuff like that. You know the little things that they can carry through as they get older, go off to universities, colleges, yeah. and can actually start no you know have a little window guard box in their kitchen and growing a few herbs and vegetables and stuff yeah these messages they can take through their lifetime now that's just me as a parent I think. yeah true yeah and i think especially now where you know everyone is self-isolating and just thinking a lot more it's a great time to start yeah you, I, we, we've discussed it before your own little garden or just yeah yeah good time to source information learn new stuff about the environment, etc. Yeah, and I mean, with I mean, with with big gyms and everything. Um, I mean, they do have an environmental impact. I mean, there's a lot of cardio equipment that's taking up electricity. Um, I'm not sure how even, you know the big gyms if they use sort of eco cleaning products or even uh, just shipping the equipment. We I don't think Kenya has like big equipment companies where you can just you know go down the road and there's a warehouse with Mr X with equipment made in Kenya with metal found in Kenya and there's like uh, yeah we had to source the Iron made guy and I see Wallace making his own stuff, but we don't have companies here. And then you go ask for quotes like the big companies, I won't mention names, like in the malls and the prices you get are just ridiculous. And it makes, I think it makes uh, like fitness and health here almost a, almost like a luxury, like a luxury sort of lifestyle. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I mean, I've I've not seen any any gym that I've been to here really have any kind of, you know, message about the environment or anything like that. I mean, I don't know, Andy, have you ever seen that in the UK? Um, some 
uh, uh, very rarely, but some gyms is you know. I think there's a as a move towards when you you know big commercial entities setting up an environmental plan when we set up gyms now um, as part of planning regulations and everything else. Um, so it's only the big commercial change you may see something because it's part of their bigger CSR type stuff. Um, but yeah, no. Kenya never, you know, everything from, you know, towels being washed, mm. you know, what we've been washed with, how we've been washed, how many towels are people using, you know, how much water. I, you know, I remember going to Fitbit one night and someone had left the shower running and I, I was in after hours, you know, I was lucky it wasn't let me in. Lucky I did go there. I went, you know, I went to go to the bathroom to go to the toilet and the shower was running, so I had to turn it off. Oh, <laughs> like, someone just left the shower running. And this is the thing, you know. Um, you know, simple things like having a push-button shower system where the water cuts off after some time. They're annoying when you're showering with them because you've got to keep pressing the button. But actually, for water wastage, we're a lot better. Yeah, and I mean, we we live in a country of so much sun. You know, so solar power. I've, you know, it is expensive, yes, to to start, but you know, within a couple of years. You know, you won't be paying your... You won't need Mr. KPL coming to check your meter. I, um, you know, I would do anything to be off the grid from KPLC, I tell you. I think, you know, I've, I often look into big solar systems and when I, you know, get around to building something, you know, that's the way I'm going. If wind turbines were a bit... Smaller wind turbines were better... Uh, investment, I get one of those because you know I did security work for Vestas and things, and I love a wind turbine, but they're only beneficial on big scales, not not on a, a small a small scale for you know a small housing project at the moment. But um, again, you know the equipment though, we've got to be careful where the equipment comes from for things like solar, wind, because you know this stuff I don't know. If there's any solar companies manufacturing in Kenya, but I imagine majority of it's imported. So again, it's like you know, it's going to take a while to almost raise that carbon footprint in the initial setup. But you know, yeah, it's just a good. It's a good. You know, if if you do own a big gym, it's. I think it's a good conversation to have and to think about that. Or you can get equipment that doesn't need electricity these days. Um, well, I know a lot of the CrossFit, you know, uh, cardio equipment, the rowers, the skierg, um, that that um, that curved treadmill. Yeah, running, that, yeah. yeah, you don't need electricity. And they're brilliant. Same with your yeah. salt bikes. Brilliant. Yeah, salt bikes. Exactly. Or you or you get those sort of uh, cardio equipment where you put your um, blender on the back and you cycle, and it makes your smoothie for you. <laughs> Awesome. Oh, and and just the cleaning products because we've recently switched to all all natural cleaning products and I'm I'm very aware of it now when I go into big gyms all the pretty harsh chemicals that they use um, for their cleaning products and you know there's really good local companies that make you know environmentally friendly products. Uh, I mean. Look, with cleaning products, it's it's such a touchy subject because actually a lot of the chemicals are removed in wastewater treatment plants. So the amount of 
from these cleaning products is very minute compared to some of the bigger stuff. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I, I've seen a company here advertise that their natural products contain no isopropyl. Isopropyl does very little to the environment. It has very little effect. Like every study shows you that there's very little effect. So you just, you're literally just using a, a chemical name, you're putting it there and people are like, oh, okay, it doesn't contain that. I must buy it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, not really. Isopropyl has shown to not have much uh, damage to the environment. Petrochemicals, yeah, sure, petrochemicals do have some kind of impact. But when you're looking at things, I mean, we were talking about clothes, we'll probably come back to that discussion. I mean, some of the stuff from your clothes does more damage. So I, I have a problem with sometimes switching to natural products. I mean, especially like, let's say if we talk about skincare. I mean, some of us need parabens in our skincare. So you can't completely switch to all natural product. I mean, I have psoriasis, I can't go to all natural. So it's always like, there's, it's a fine line to walk with this kind of natural product stuff. You also have to think about, okay, there's people here making it. Cool. So they're creating a product for you. They're using things in a bottle to create a product for you. Now what are happening to all those bottles that they've used for all the stuff that they've created for you? Where's that end product going? We know there's not a proper recyclable plant in this country. So you've literally just doubled the plastic in creating your so-called natural product. So that's, I don't know, I always feel like it's such a fine line. I'm like, if you want to go natural, great, do it, wonderful. Um, it's still very minute in what is happening to the environment. Yeah, I mean, again, do your research and choose a company that, um, I, I just think always supporting local companies is great. And a lot of them do refills, so you're not throwing away, you know, your containers and stuff. Um, but yeah, let, let, let's talk about clothes because I think so many, so many of us have been addicted to buying new gym clothes. Have been or are? No, no, we've changed I our like, ways. I like my new changed gym clothes. Changed our ways. Yeah, there's something about that new stringer or new pair of joggers that just makes you want to not, go to not, the gym. I'm not saying that day. you don't need to get new clothes, <laughs> but just... Again, think about where your yeah. gym clothes are coming from. And like these big companies like Nike, even Gymshark, Reebok, Adidas. Our favorite. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the amount of water yeah. that goes into making clothes, the chemicals, your carbon emissions, all of that stuff. When you start researching it, it's actually quite scary. Mm. And yeah. I mean, everything with fast fashion is and like I, I said before you know you're throwing away over half of what you buy within a year you know just because it is so easy now you know with online shopping and you're like oh that looks nice get that it comes ugh, not quite right and off it goes and I think in Kenya we're a bit better you know we've got Matumba and you generally don't throw clothes away mm. but I think in the developed world you do I mean, I can't imagine putting a bit of clothing in a bin. I just, I couldn't. That seems so wrong, but people do. I always give up. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I'm, I'm like, slightly different. I, I wear my stuff pretty much until it falls a bit <laughs> off me. I've got a pair of rugby shorts there. I played in a rugby tournament a couple of years ago, and my shorts are older than the rest of my teammates. <laughs> so... 
so I've got like shorts that are over 20 years old. So, I mean, yeah, we've got a few holes in them and stuff. They're still good. Um, so I do. I wear my stuff until it literally falls a bit. But um, and I only maybe buy the odd vest here and there as the year goes on. But I do wear, and I, I have bags of old gym stuff that I will occasionally dip into just to pull something different out. Yeah, but um, yeah, Matumba's great. Yeah, there's some issues around Matumba and organised crime. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah, Matumba at the top end in Kenya is controlled by organised crime gangs, but that's a whole different, it's a whole different <laughs> podcast there. But um, I do think, you know, generally we're closing Kenya, it's better. I looked into uh, it's something I'm still uh, investing my time and effort into researching apparel manufacturing because, you know, I keep. Yeah, toy with the idea. I'm going to release some some clothing at some point. Um, and I found I have found sustainable production, but here's the thing with it: it's not in Kenya. <laughs> Therefore, do you counteract your sustainability by this carbon footprint of flying stuff in? You know, it's like, is it any better? You know, it becomes that sort of balancing weighing game of you know, is it better to have it made locally by something that's slightly more environmentally impactful in Kenya, but, you know, overall the carbon footprint's less, so over time, you know, it might be better. Or do you go for the sort of sustainability using recycled clothing or, like, you know, recycled cotton or whatever, um, and recycled dyes and natural dyes and things like that, but fly it in from abroad? And I suppose that's the big question. It's a big balancing. you just got to decide... Yeah, well, I think Amrita, you'd you, you'd be uh, you've got a lot of info on this topic because as well people might know, but Amrita also owns uh, Chakras, who sell band booty bands and barbell pads, things like that, upcycled. Uh, Amrita, so you you did a lot of research into that, and I know a lot of them are upcycled, and you know, what what we, I guess kind of like Andy when he was looking for his clothes. What what is there in Kenya? I mean, is any of your stuff from here, or it's all from overseas? Mine is not. Here. Um, I I did try to make it locally, but it's it. I'd rather be sustainable, a sustainable brand, because that's the kind of ethos I want to create. So whilst I understand the carbon footprint of bringing everything in, I get it, but I offset my carbon. Right, like you can plant your trees, you can go and do this, you can do it as an initiative for yourself. So, if for chakras, if I bring in my stuff, I go and offset my carbon footprint, and it, it's it's simple like that. But I'd rather try and make people more aware that when you're buying your your clothes, your gym stuff, there are options, and there are options to start using stuff that are recycled, upcycled. Um, Moving away from more synthetic fabrics and everything like that creates a change in, in the way you think. And that change is, is sustainable, right? It will last forever. You will tell your kids, your kids will tell their kids. It's something that you can just pass through generations. And I'd rather be that. Like, I understand supporting local markets, and I totally will. It, it came to becoming more sustainable. And, I, and I'm sure that shift will come. It will come. It'll come a lot later than, than the rest of the world, but it will come. And yes, I will move my stuff locally. But for now, from what my ethos is and from what I've researched and all the due diligence I've done, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the sustainable route by using recycling and up, upcycled stuff. 
There you go, Andy. There's a I, I think there's, option well, A. No, <laughs> yeah, and I think that's quite, no, I think that's quite a good thing to chat about because yeah, you're saying, yeah, I am still leaning that way. And yeah. you know, another important thing that came there is carbon uh, offsetting. And it's something because I fly a lot, as you guys know, I'm always travelling. And it's something I try and do generally. I plant loads of trees, and I'm always planting trees. I get seeds. I get seeds from you know Kenya Forestry Service. And, you know, I'm a little bit naughty because I'll walk through the ranch and I'll just throw indigenous tree seeds <laughs> down because it's not, you know, the ranch is a, you know, the, the bigger ranch, I won't give it its name just in case someone's listening, you're going to tell me off, is um, nearly 100,000 acres. Mm-hmm. It's unofficially the biggest ranch in Kenya. We don't officially, because of the ownership's a bit dodgy, we don't tell people <laughs> how big it truly is. Um, but That's yeah, Kenya when for you. walking along, I'll happily just throw some seeds down, and I do it on the farm itself. Here, we put seeds along. You know, we plant new new seeds, trees all the time. You know, um, various indigenous trees. So. You know, and that's, I feel that's my responsibility. And I have this conversation with my daughter. You know, if you are, you know, we spend a lot of time between here and the UK. And we've got a slight responsibility because of the amount of flights we take to probably give back via planting of trees or, you know, other plants and vegetation to give back. Because, um, you know, I think that's just a really nice way of trying to offset your own carbon footprint but and the same the school does it's really good when you join uh pembroke house you get a tree you plant a tree in your first term and that oh, tree nice. grows with you as you go through your school career which is quite nice um yeah and i'm all for planting trees i've always said when i die you know i'll happily be turned into a tree you've seen those ones with the capsule pods yeah that, you know it has a tree seed in it and as you as you break down you feed the tree and the tree grows yeah, I'm all for that, you know, be it as a stick my body in a, in a cocoon thing, or do it, or, you know, my ashes or something. But, yeah, yeah, turn me into a tree. I'm all for that. Um, yeah, more trees. Yeah, but it's also, like, if you do bring it in, like, for us with chakras, if I bring it in, now with all the, the packaging that I do, I do my packaging locally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm majestic printers, so my husband's proud of me. I just advertise them. <laughs> majestic <laughs> So, and then you can actually talk to them about, like, you can tell them, like, I want recyclable paper, everything. You can make your changes here locally. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it's just okay. like, you, you've brought in your sustainable stuff. Oh, no, I've increased my carbon footprint. Yeah. It's all right. You're, you can all be out of recycled paper. You don't need to use plastic. You know, it's, it's these little things. It's, it's, it's not that hard. Yeah, and I think yeah. the price point is also important because a lot of the uh, recycled or upcycled, locally made... Um, clothes and things like that are really expensive and you know again it's that trade-off you want to be as sustainable as possible but people have got to buy it and and make your your you know make it worthwhile for you making this product Um, because I'm not going to spend eight thousand shillings on a pair of leggings I'm just not even if it's you know all recycled Um, so I would rather buy sustainable clothing from the UK and bring it in and it would still be it would still be cheaper um, you've got that you know the carbon and emission there but it's just it's just that balancing act and and you making small small choices that that add up yeah I mean like oh, even moving to looking at you know 
all our clothes have that little little tag on it of yeah. what it's made of, right? Yeah. Just reading that makes a huge difference. Um, like when you wear polyester, and I think about gym clothes, a lot of it's polyester, nylon, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Every time you're using that kind of synthetic fabric, 1,900 microfibers are basically released into water and that makes their way into oceans, mm. right? Mm. So just think about that. That's when, so now when you think, okay, I'm gonna sit online and I'm going to buy some gym wear. Even if you go on a Gymshark website, it actually tells you what it's made of. Move to more semi-synthetic fabrics. It's, well, even that little switch makes such a huge difference. It decreases the amount of microfibers going into water. Just yeah. go to the gym with boxes. A vest and socks. Done. You might be. Uh, <laughs> the 80s look, I know the vest, 80s look. Crop tops. We're done. Okay, well, maybe in your home gym. <laughs> but yeah. Just speedos, it's, I think. Speedos is where it's at. Recycled speedos from but a tumor. Yeah, I, nice. I know. I. I know. I. 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 Uh, you know, clothes that contain a lot of those, um, what do you call them? Micro something? Micro. They catch all the microfibers off your They catch the microfibers, so you put your clothes in that bag, then in your washing machine. But then what do you do with all the fibers? <laughs> Wait, now where do you throw them? Jesus. It's, uh, yeah, but at some point it's going to rain at this, at this treatment, and then it's that rainwater somehow going to make it into some kind of water, and it's going to end up in the ocean. So, so it's literally... My just goodness. prolong it, yeah. its movement. So, so best, like you say, just to read the label and try and buy more. Trying to save the environment is a full-time job. Well, no, I think, it, it can, I, think <laughs> it really the, I think the problem is try not to let it be overwhelming. Because if you yeah. start thinking like that, you're like, well, I just yes. know, don't know what to do and I'm not going to do anything. Just, yeah. you, know, you know, start really small. And you don't need to make these changes overnight. You don't need to go into your you know, your uh, beauty cabinet and chuck everything out. Just slowly, slowly, maybe this month, you know, try and be a bit more plant-based. Next month, you know, if you're looking to buy some new gym wear, mm. yeah, just, just to be more aware. Yeah, exactly, yeah, just small changes. changes they really do. Um, well, what, well, what would we suggest to to sort of your average gym goer on just small things that they can do to improve or protect the environment. I mean, we've gone through a lot, but should we put it in just a few small steps? Yeah. We can commit to reducing the amount of meat, even having one meat-free day. Yep, so one meat, meat-free day a week, I think that's, you know, very doable. Yeah, grow your own herbs. That's, I think, something, yeah, something everyone can do, whether you have a garden or not, you know, a small, whatever, pot or something. And then if you have space, do a garden, kitchen garden. Yeah. yeah. What else? Buy local if you have to spend Exactly. Try as much as you can. Yeah. Buy local. You know, um, understand your food choices and the impact they have not on just the environment, on economies. Um, and your clothes choices. Like, just read a label. 
Yeah, let's start with reading labels. Many, <laughs> I don't think many people were willing to change um, in terms of clothes, but yeah, read labels. Uh, be like Andy, just keep your clothes, because I hoard clothes too, man. I. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure the clothes quality was better. Like, if Andy's wearing shorts from yeah, 20 yeah, true, years true, ago, true. I'm sure the quality was, <laughs> I think it was better back then. And well, they stood the testament of time. Yeah. 20-year-old shorts. I think there's so much fast fashion now that it's just such bad quality. Yeah. You know, one one wash and it's sort of all changed shape. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of brands are actually becoming more sustainable. So like H&M, they have um, a brand of T-shirts and stuff that is actually less water-intensive cotton. So, like, if you want a kilo of cotton, normally you need about 20,000 liters for a kilo of cotton. So, mm. H&M have actually committed to this whole line of t-shirts of using less water for their cotton. So, you can, all these big name brands, you can actually find sustainable um, lines of fashion within them. So, it's not, you don't need to panic too much. It's, it's there for you. Yeah, I mean, the sort of, the bottom line of everything is just to question everything and, and do research. Don't just blindly follow what someone is, you know, someone you, you like on Instagram or wherever is telling you. Just, just you know, sit back, think about it, do some research. And like Amrita said in the beginning, stay in your lane. If, you, if, you, if, you, if you're really confused about sustainability in the environment, I mean... Asking Andy, Leon, and I, yeah, we probably know some basics, but you'd rather go to an expert. You'd rather ask Amrita, be like, you know, is this, you know, like like with the cleaning products, it's like, you know, is this going to make a bigger impact, or maybe instead I'll I'll spend a bit more money on this month and I'll I'll buy some free range eggs. Exactly, it's a good message. Yeah, so when in doubt, just. You know, ask ask a ask an expert in their field, and and if you if you don't know one, then <laughs> you can ask us. We can hopefully point yeah. you in the direction. And and I mean, there's so much information you can look on the internet, and and a lot of you know just simple things like reading ingredients, reading labels. It doesn't take that much extra time out of your day to do that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, and for businesses, I think one of the small things they can do, if you've got a commercial business, is have an environmental plan, you know, and just start thinking, just, to, you know, start thinking about what you do as a business, how it affects the environment. And even if it's just trying to make small changes every month to the way you do business, they'll add up slowly. Things like how many towels do you wash? You see it a lot in the hotels now where it says, you know, let's try and save some water or don't just, you know, use towels for the sake of using a clean towel. You know, and things like this, you know, it's like how much water are you using in your gym? How can you reduce the amount of water? And just the little things, but have it in the plan so you've actually sat down and thought about it. It doesn't have to be big changes straight away, but at least you thought about it. Yeah, and communicate that to your, your members. I think no one really thinks about gyms and the environment. You know, like you say, everyone knows in the hotel you get that little sign, like, towel on the floor means it wants to be washed. And 
you know, there are a lot of big gyms and that's a big impact on the environment. And I think it would be such a great selling point to have a more eco-friendly gym. I mean, I would, if I had the choice of one gym that was, you know, advertised its, you know, its environmental policy and just, you know, educated you a little bit more about what it was doing, I would choose that over a gym that didn't. Yeah. I completely agree. And it, it would just be novel. It would be so cool to have, like, the first eco-gym. Maybe that's what we can do. Yeah. Make the plates from well, wood. Make your studio an eco-studio. Yeah. Yeah, nice. yeah oh. so it would be all, all solar-powered. And There will be no power. Because you can even get, I was reading, like, the rubber mats for your floor. That those, are, <laughs> those are not good for the environment. You can get bamboo ones. You can get, yep. you know, all sorts of cool yes. things. When, I mean, when you delve into this, it's actually really... It's so interesting. Maybe recycled rubber. Recycled rubber, yeah. yeah. Old tires. <laughs> Be like those Marseille shoes, the thousand milers. Exactly, exactly. I was just thinking, actually. <laughs> recycled tires. For your gym floor. Yeah, so I think we'll just end with that message. Just be just be more aware and you don't need to change things overnight. Small small things always add up. Yeah. And Rita, any take home any take home messages for oh, everyone? Um, thanks guys. But uh, yeah, if anyone has any questions on sustainability and the environment or my TikTok handle name, <laughs> I'm available. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, anything to add? No, I think yeah, we've hit now I had small changes and they all add up eventually. Yeah, and I think we should all just be more like Andy. What? Eat local goats. Well, yeah, we hunt plant more trees. Let me go hunt for the water. And wear our yeah. clothes for for twenty years. I'll go try hunt the water. Exactly. Then. <laughs> Maybe buy good quality clothes to start with. I think that's you know I must admit some of my socks don't last so well. Yeah. Cheap, but um, the good my good clothes they seem to last a long time. I, I think that's such an important point. Like yeah. good clothes, good quality food. I I would again rather buy fewer, fewer good quality clothes and buy less good quality food. What? What I mean, like meats and sort of organic products. Yes. <laughs> you can never have enough socks. Oh, what? What a point! Yeah. <laughs> you can never. That. that that, yeah. That's where the environment story ends. You can never have enough socks. <laughs> you can well, never have enough socks. If you need more socks, Leon has a great Matumba guy. Yeah, I, I have a problem. So you need good socks when saving. Socks. Yeah, I like to buy socks. You he has a good, whole shelf of socks, like Superman socks. When you're going to save the environment, so guys, buy your socks. Anyway, well, on that note, yeah. Amrita, thanks so much for joining us and that was that was really interesting i think it's a good conversation to have and i hope everyone just goes away and just ruminates on on everything that we've discussed and just implement some small steps in your life because you know the environment saving the environment it's just i think a lot of people find it overwhelming or that you know bigger companies or governments are going to take care of that when in fact it's just the small things that you do at home that make the biggest impact. And on that note, 
Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on our next episode. See you. Bye, guys.